And welcome back in another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. It's a Wednesday, so you know what that means. We get back into the world of instruction and coaching. And you know, the buzz here in the modern era is distance, right? We are in the distance era. We've been talking about it on the podcast. I've had a lot of great guests. And I've been thinking about this next guest and getting him on. And he was uh, kind enough to do it for us here this week because let me tell you something. He knows a thing or two about distance, creating speed. In fact, I think that's really, he's one of the best at it uh, in the world. And he joins us from just south of Tampa Bay, I believe. Lucas. North, north of Tampa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just north of Tampa Bay. Lucas Wald, one of the top teachers in the game. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, north of Tampa, Lacanto, Florida, Black Diamond Ranch is where I'm at. Beautiful place. Nice, nice. Well, the heat, uh, it's coming. You know, I'm in Ponte Vedra, and um, it's been a nice spring. Not as humid here, but, well, 91 and humid is uh, knocking on the door as we get into May. But we're here to talk about distance. We're here to talk about, uh, I think, the modern game, the modern teaching things that are happening right now that um, I think are very cool, you know, and there's, there's a lot of questions that, that I want to ask you, but I want to start and I want to get your perception of where we are, your view of, of teaching today, instruction today, when it comes to movement, not, not so much coaching. Let's think about movement patterns here with the body uh, to create speed. Cause I know Lucas, you have studied, so many of the greats of the game. You know, you go back to the classical swing. I saw you post something uh, from Ralph Goodall today uh, on your Instagram. But we're talking about Sam Snead. We're talking about Ben Hogan, how these people move. We're kind of moving back into that, aren't we? In today's era, rotational freedom, longer in nature. Let's not resist. Let's let the body move and hit it as hard as we can. How do you see it? Yeah, so thanks for that introduction. Perfect. I, you know, my sort of niche, Travis, I've gone back and looked at the best men and women swings throughout the history of the game. So if you go early 1900s, McDonald Smith, Ralph Bulldog, Hogan in the 40s, Snead in the 40s, of course, Nicholas in the 60s, 70s, Tom Watson in the 80s, Norman in the 90s, you know, back Mickey Wright, Babe Zaharias, Louis Suggs. Uh, of course, the modern guys, Rory, DJ, Bubba Watson, Justin Thomas. So if you combine all of those powerful, dominant swings throughout the history, there are commonalities. There, it, there are key fundamental elements that all those swings possess. And so teasing out, distilling those key elements is what I'm sort of known for and then training those elements. Um, but we see the, we see Bryson incorporating now a lot of those elements and he you know, there's nothing new under the sun. He's basically taken the blueprints of a swing like Kyle Berkshire and implemented it into his own swing, a long drive guy. But, you know, I think what's interesting is the movements that Kyle Berkshire has, there's nothing new on his swing either. So that's why <laughs> I posted the Ralph Gould all this morning. I don't know if you saw his feet were flying around. Oh, yeah. He was up on his toe at impact. He looked, um, you know, looked scary, scary similar to uh, Justin Thomas at impact. Um, so I think that's what's fascinating to me is seeing uh, some of these new guys uh, possess some of these legendary elements, uh, both men and women. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that I it just fires me up watching uh, 
watching a Justin Thomas or Bryson or, or, you know, Bubba Watson or Rory, you know, when he, when he's playing better for sure. But, but um, that's what excites me. And that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And we, and it, we went through an era there, Lucas, I think it's fair to say um, when I got into teaching, I think resistance was part of the vocabulary, you know, and it was like the perception was in many ways, like turn the upper, not the lower. Um, even though like we knew the lower was turning some, but there wasn't a lot of change of knee flex. I think it was, there was like a more of a, a need to shorten things up, um, in the backswing. And I think we have come out of that and we're moving now, I think back into a lot of the movements that you described that so many of these greats have had. And so many of these long drive people have had where, it's no, we need to have a change of knee flex, you know, and we need to let things lengthen out. There's times you got to shorten people up. I get that, but let things have rotational freedom. Let them be longer in nature. I know on my lesson to you, when I teach, I'm lengthening more people out than I'm shortening up. That's for sure. When it comes to the amateur game. And um, so there's, there's a shift back right. into the game today. And I think it's, um, and I think it's healthy. You know, I think it's, it's I think it's the healthy long-term approach. Right. So, like, if you look at a, a VJ Singh, Phil Mickelson, Tom Watson, Sam Snead, I mean, these are players with long, fluid swings that played, you know, late in their 50s. I mean, Snead, I think, got second place in a PGA Tour event at 59. We saw what Tom Watson almost won the British Open at age 59. Yep. These are unrestricted full turns, you know, long swings, pass parallel, cross the line. So I think, um, uh, you know, if we cannot inhibit that motion, it, I think Greg Rose, uh, Travis, talked about modern swing a few years ago being designed for speed or sorry, for accuracy. And when we add speed to that swing, uh, it can be uh, we can cause injury, uh, back injuries. And so I think this longer unrestricted move that we're now seeing crop up, it's going to let players play into their late forties, fifties, and still have a chance to win on tour. Like Phil, I mean, Phil Mickelson's right now, he's still competitive on, on the PGA tour because of that. No, he lifts, he lifts his lead hill, his hips turn. It's a free flowing um, set way past parallel. So I, I don't try to, um, you know, restrict any move. We did, um, I think uh, 2019, uh, Brandel Chamberlain and I did a, a presentation at the at the um, top 100 in Pinehurst, top 100 golf for Golf Magazine, and we put up a, an image of Jan Ben Hogan next to Jamie Sadlowski, a long drive guy, right? And the people in the audience were just like, "Wow!" I mean, and I broke down the the similarities in those two swings at the top, but people just don't realize Ben Hogan, notably one of the best ball strikers, maybe the best of all time, yeah. was way past parallel. I mean, he looked a lot like almost similar to Jamie Sadlowski. And that's why I use that sort of side-by-side comparison to show this guy, the best ball striker of all time and arguably pound for pound, the longest hitter of all time look identical. So, I mean, that was, that was just a cool sort of metaphor for the way the game is trending now. And so, yeah. you know, you see Bryson, you see a bubble Watson, you see, you know, I remember growing up with John Daly. He, I was told John Daly is just a freak. You know, it's like, wait, he's not yeah. a freak. He's a, he, he copied Nicholas. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's and that's a good segue into you know this this long drive impact, right? And I think you've been out in the forefront of that because I know you work with 
a lot of long drive guys, as you do professional golfers, Harris English, you've worked with in the past, Graham McDowell, Victor Hoblin, you mentioned Randall Chambly. We're going to get to some of those names here later on, but I want to narrow in here on some of the long drive guys. I know Eddie Fernandez, Jeff Flagg, you've been a part of uh, that makeup, you know, for a long time because of your expertise uh, in this. Talk about the impact of the long drive competition and these men and women do you think they've had on many of the things that we're talking about right now in modern instruction, right? And the pro game, um, the impact that these long drive people have had. Yeah, I think, yeah, totally. I think just with the advent of all this technology, social media, you know, we have access to so much more information. Now we can go to YouTube, we can go to Instagram and see what Kyle Berkshire is doing. We can see what the training regiment looks like. We can watch, we can go to YouTube and watch Jamie Sidlowski uh, in 2008 and nine when he won and see like, wow, you know, we, we, we know now through technology, through watching all these swings, how similar they are to many of the legends throughout the history of the game. So I think there's a huge impact. I mean, the long drive guys, the men and women, uh, I like to say they're human lie detectors because if they're, if they're doing something, they are physically trying to hit the ball as far as possible. So if they're doing something in their body um, that, that we can learn from, it's to help us hit it farther. So when I watch a Cal Berkshire have this explosive up move on the backswing, um, I'm saying, why is he doing that? You know, is he you is he accessing something that I need to learn from? And the reality is, yeah, he's going up, Travis, so that he can use gravity more to fall into transition. And who do we see doing that now? Bryson. Have you seen Bryson use mm -hmm. this extension up now? He's yep. doing that to access gravity, fall in transition, create a little bit more pressure into the lead side so that he can then back up coming into impact and hit up on it. So I think it's a huge, it's a huge thing to have yeah. someone like Bryson following Kyle, having Kyle Berkshire come to his house, training in Chris Como's garage. You know, he <laughs> is using these mirror neurons, if you will, to imitate and emulate uh, Berkshire. I did the same thing with Jamie Sidlowski. I mean, Jamie, 2008, 9, 10, he was sort of my model. Jamie mm. was 160 pounds soaking wet and won the 2008 and nine world championship. And so I, being a smaller guy, I'm like, if that guy can swing 220 miles an hour and I'm swinging at the time 150 something, then I'm thinking I can at least get the 180, which I've done. But basically I use Jamie as a model. Yeah. Now they're using Kyle and, and some others. But um, I think it's super fascinating to, to, to uh, model the long drive. Now, now, I think there's some elements to hit, you know, have accuracy as well. It's not just yeah. about hitting it um, far, right. but you know, I think uh, there's a blend. And I think if you look at a Hogan or a Jack Nicklaus or a Sneed, you know, or, or some of the, uh, the modern guys like Baba or, or, you know, even like a Cameron Champ, you know, these guys blend the long drive elements with the ability to hit it straight as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there to unpack. It's, it's really good stuff that I, have spent a lot of time just watching the long drive um, guys as well. And I remember when I was at Golf Channel and we were doing the shows, it was kind of when all of that was really starting to take more center stage and it was being broadcast on TV and we would break the swings down. And yeah. this, this elongation up feeling, you know, and the leg and the right side of the pelvis getting taller and the spine extending and the, you know, this, that movement. I mean, if I had a 
a nickel for every time I'm teaching that to someone, I would be probably done by now, you know, teaching because, you know, people are resisting and, t- and staying down, as you know. And then as you get them to kind of elongate, they're like, damn, look at my backswing. You yes. know, like I've never had the club there in my life. So it's, yes, it's power, but I found, I have found that even I'm talking amateur game now here. I have found that it, you know, it starts to get the club kind of around them. It gives them more time to do what they want to do coming down. And all of a sudden now they're more accurate too. Totally. So it's, it's kind of the double whammy and it's, it's fun when you can share that with someone they're hitting it longer and straighter in the way that they're recruiting in the backswing. I don't, one thing that really bothers me, Lucas, is when, you know, you, you get that soapboxing in social media. The only thing that matters is impact. The backswing doesn't even matter, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, you know, like the, the backswing has some value here. And, and especially if we're trying to create some speed. And as I mentioned, even some accuracy, especially for these amateurs, I mean, getting them structured going back makes the game a hell of a lot easier coming down yeah backs so yeah again like i tell this to people all the time that these moves are mutually reinforcing if i improve the backswing i have a better chance to improve transition if i improve transition then i have a better chance to improve the impact interval so that i mean we start with the backswing and it's pretty at this point travis i that's the easiest thing to correct in someone's swing is the backswing a little bit of off move a little thoracic extension more hip movement, more hip internal rotation. Basically, that's just turning the sacrum towards the target on the backswing, getting the left knee behind the ball if you're a right-handed golfer, allowing the left heel to come up. We're not restricting movement. Um, so I like to use a lot of legendary guys when I or girls. I, I, I'll pull up Mickey Wright or Nicholas, yep. you know, or Sneed and I, and I'll, or Hogan, and I'll show someone, you can get into this position. You know, yeah. it's this whole this whole adage of you don't, you're not flexible enough. Yeah. I don't see that. Almost anyone, unless they've had a major injury, I'm, I'm with I'm I'm staying with a 64 year old right now, Tim Willis, and I swear to God, like his backswing now looks it looks legendary, and he doesn't <laughs> have all the movements coming down. Yeah. He's still at 105 miles an hour, and he's 64, and wow. it's like incredible. We go out and play, and I'm like, dude. That's you're moving like I'll sh- and I show him. And this is the beauty of technology. We can measure this stuff. We can yeah. measure before and after. We can have, you know, track man or flight scope or force plates and say, Tim, this is where you were and this is where you are now. If that's what I like to use technology for, sort of a before and after, more, more so than teaching with club data and like your path is so far or left or right. I like to show them. Uh, quantify, you know, the before numbers and then quantify the after numbers and be like, we're moving in the right direction. And you can qualitatively see on the yeah. video where you've improved. Right. Yeah. I think our, our styles are very similar. Um, everything you said there, like in my mind, I'm like, you know, that's yep. Check. Like those are a lot of the same, the same ways that I feel. And it's like, yeah, these people, I, I don't run into very many people that can't do this, you know? I mean, I just don't. And they're like, I don't think I can, well, let me try, you know, and it's like, and that's, well, you can turn your right hip, just lose a little flexion all of a sudden, you know, yeah. now you're, now do this for me, you know, take your spine. Okay. Now do that as you turn and keep your orientation. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you show them, they're like, damn, you know, that's right. now they feel, they feel a little different spatial awareness. You know, there's some things to get used to, but um, absolutely they can do it. You mentioned Berkshire. He's fascinating to me. And yeah. um I just, you know, I, I don't know if there's a guy that I like watching hit a driver more than Kyle Berkshire. Um, 
in any in any professional or amateur a long drive. I mean, it's just incredible to watch the experience of watching him hit a driver. Um, and you know, him his impact on on Bryson, of course, and Chris Coma, who I know you're good friends with. And I was Berkshire does this, I call it the Humpty Dumpty, you know, where he kind of gets his feet going back and forth, you know, and then he hits it. And I've posted that. I posted that on Instagram like a year ago and it was like blew up. People loved it. I was like, try it, you know, and some people are shooting holes through it. Like that doesn't, I'm like, I think, I think we're going in, I think we're going to a a time here where there's going to be professional golfers doing that on 14, on 14 drives. I really do. I think we're going there. It's coming. Someone is going to do it and implement it. And that's the way they're going to hit their driver. Yeah in professional golf to maximize speed. I'm sitting there watching LPGA and Lydia Ko does it. Yeah. And I'm like, I text Sean Floyd and I was like, that's the coolest thing I've seen all year right there. It is. She goes, yeah. that's the, like, like the Berkshire yeah. and rips the drive in competition right down the middle. I think that's where professional golf is going. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's long to start. You see men and women doing that 14 times in a tournament. What do you think? Well, yeah. And I, again, we go back to, go back to Nicholas or, you know, uh, Lee Trevino, the, the, their, their feet were moving, Travis. They, they weren't stationary over the ball and then they pulled right. the trigger quickly. So um, motion tends to eliminate tension too. I, mo- most amateurs stand over the ball way too long. They're too stiff. They're too rigid. So when we watched basically Berkshire moving the feet like that, it, were, it created more momentum in his swing, you know, more ground force reaction, all that stuff we can get into. But Lydia Ko, I texted her. I saw that too. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Lydia, you know, did what happened? Did you, uh, did, did someone teach you that? And she was like, Luke. I watched Kyle Berkshire win the world championship doing that. And I tried it myself and it worked. And she said, I get about 10 to 15 yards of carry. And that's, wow. you know, she said, I don't do it on every drive, but if she gets on a par five, you know, and she needs to have, you know, have an iron in or something, she does that move and she, it's a little bit of a risk, but it's worth it to hit it 20 yeah. yards farther. I think Mark, uh, this is an interesting stat. Mark Brody, put out a stat a few years ago that 20 yards of increase gives you a 0.75 strokes game advantage per round. So over, over four rounds, that's what three shots. Yeah. So if you can gain 20 yards, you've got a three shot advantage right away. So I think Bryson is huge into analytics and stats. Yeah. He saw stuff like that and was like, you know, there's a, if I can swing 190 in competition, <laughs> then I've got more than a three-shot advantage basically on the field. And um, we, we not, not every week, but we see him in contention dang near Travis every week. Um, it's fun mm-hmm. to watch him get up at Bay Hill and drive it across the water on the par five. I mean, yeah. uh, incredible. But he learned a lot of that stuff from Berkshire. You know, Lydia Ko is learning from it. We're all learning how to take some of these elements. Um, I saw mm-hmm. Berkshire, this is a quick story, in 2017 yeah. – I was 16. I was with Jeff Flagg, and we were at the at the World Championship in Oklahoma. No one knew who Kyle Berkshire was, and I walked by this young kid, and I saw him swinging in the in the force and the ballistic movements that he had. I'm like, Jeff, who, who's this guy? And he said, Oh, his name's Kyle. And he broke he broke a driver shaft over the bat, and it flew up in the air. And I'm like, I don't know who this Kyle kid is, but he's got the movements. 
to dominate this sport. And no one yeah. knew. And I'm like, and a few years later, man, he is the yeah. longest. He's the longest out there. Um, it's yeah. pretty, pretty fun to see. And it's a good swing, too. It's not just, I mean, the kid can play golf. It's not just, yeah. um, I don't know if he can play tour golf, but, you know, he hits it pretty straight and he's a plus handicap. Yep. Yeah, he he's a trip to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I I enjoy watching him. And Bryson, you know, he's much he's must watch TV. You know, he, he really is when he's and when he gets it going, like you can see when he's when Bryson's confident, the speed maintains, you know, and when he if he feels a little off, then he'll he'll slow down a little bit. And even Bryson, you know, slowing down is, you know, obviously way out there. But but when he you, you can tell when it's peak and it's like, man, it's almost like he can't hit it hard enough, you know, and he's just wailing on it. Right. So, yeah, I really do. I think Berkshire has introduced something that you're going to be seeing more and more players doing. And I just thought it was awesome when, uh, when Lydia did it. Now there's, there's pitfalls here. You know, I, I there's a couple of things here. Let me take a step back for a second, okay. because we're talking about movement and we know that that can create more club head speed and what that means, the ball speed. And then there's, you know, the, the launch characteristics, right. And being able to hit up and maximize launch and spin. So we know there's, that's kind of the second element of it. I kind of chuckled when Stuart sink, in his press conference says, you know, yeah, I've been working on my core and this and that. And, you know, I changed a couple things and, you know, my attack angle now is a little more up. And it's like, duh, you know, like, what are you, like, you know, what are you been waiting for, for crying out loud? And, and I, and I say that jokingly because, you know, when you start changing attack angles, yes, it, it can add to more distance. We know that. But when you're playing, when you're messing with an attack angle with a top player like a Stuart sink or McElroy or whoever, like things start to change, you know, with the body and, and, and how you're going to control the face and those kinds of things. So it can be risky, you know, from that standpoint, I don't think there's much risk, honestly, when you look at a mid handicap, right? I think you can just get in there and just start going. But when you, when you, when you have a player who, maybe has been historically one degree down with the driver. And then you, now you take them two degrees up, you know, now, you know, the spine and things can start to be a little different and that may have a, a residual effect perhaps in the iron play. That's kind of what I see with Rory. Um, I see, I see Rory has definitely went after some distance to me. There's some side bend there, which decreases his ability to rotate and maybe get on it a little bit with his irons. There's some pitfalls here, right? As far as like players need to be careful with. How do how do you address that? Yeah, so I think I think it's a it's a great topic. I think uh, you brought up an interesting point about the iron versus driver. Um, the way I the way I view it is it's it's two different swings. I, if we're training for just bombing a drive, yes, we're hitting up on it three to five degrees. Where we're we're getting our pressure back to the back foot. We're on this axis of rotation from the left pec to the shoe, which, which is off vertical, um, kind of like an ice skater on ice. We're off vertical. You know, that those things help, you know, not sliding, no lateral motion towards the target. Um, you brought up Eddie Fernandez earlier. When I first started working with Eddie, he was negative one hitting down on it. And he wanted to win the world. I'm like, dude, you're not, you know, he's hitting these spinners that are up shooting. I'm like, you know, and Eddie was a good golfer too. And he kept the ball in play by doing that, but he's not going to maximize his launch angle and give himself the best chance to win with that attack angle. So when we started working on his sequencing, the byproduct was that his attacking a whip from negative one to positive three. 
I never mentioned, hey, we're going to do this so that your attacking will go up. We change the attacking by changing the sequence. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that was a sort of a byproduct. So that's, I thought, interesting in and of itself. Yeah. But there, there are there are dangers. So like with Rory, you mentioned Rory. I, I've gone back and looked at Rory when he was winning majors. He won what the PGA by eight shots, I think, in 2012. Yep. Um, and if you go back and look at those swings when he was kind of doughy and pudgy, I mean, he's still swinging 120 miles an hour, you know, yeah. and so or close to it, right? And, um, you know, I, I think he maybe got a little bit um, and I, he's, he's come out and said that he tried to chase distance a little bit by yeah. watching what Bryson was doing. Um, right. and I think in those cases, um, uh, Travis, I don't know that Rory needed to get to from 120 to 130 and hit 190 ball speed. Um, 180, mid 180s fast enough. And you're right, he covered it more. He was less sort of extended up. He had more rotation. And with, with basically with more flexion and more rotation, you have a better ability to control the club face. The more extension you have, you might create a little more speed, but you're going to lose some of the club face stability. So there is a blend there. And I think Rory had that perfect blend in 2010, 11, 12, 13. And so in, in my eyes, if I was coaching Rory, I would say go back and study film when you were yeah. at the very peak of your career and winning the PGA by eight shots. And I think if he did and had someone to sort of break down those movements, he would see that he was more bent over, more inflection, and more rotated, like you alluded to. Um, and yeah. so and get him back to that, less extended, less sort of jumping up, um, I think he would find more fairways, uh, ultimately. Um, and that, and that, so there are pitfalls. There are dangers, for sure, and just increasing oh, yeah. distance. Um, but I think if you do it smart, Chris Como, everything with Bryson was calculated from day one. We talked about this. Um, it wasn't done overnight. He took a long approach, and um, that's the best way to do this stuff. I think people tend to want to do it now, 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 um, instead of taking a more long-term approach. And that's what I encourage my students to do. Now, that's, a, that's a really good point, because like all of a sudden, you had players like Rory and Tony Finau and DJ like posting videos of them, yeah, like their night, top yeah. ball speed, you know, and they're just basically trying to hit it as hard as they can. They're like, well, I can do this, you know? And what's, what's the net effect of that to the game? It does have to be calculated, right? I mean, it really does, especially at that level. Cause yes, I mean, they are the best at what they do and you have to protect that genius to, to a certain degree. So um, I just, with all that said, that's what makes it even more fascinating with Bryson is the risk involved and he's pulled it off. You know, I mean, he's really, he's pulled it off. Now there's things that I'm sure he's trying to tighten up in the approach game and those kinds of things, but he's able to got, he he's gotten himself to a point so much faster, right? And, you know, let's face it and still play at, at a very high level and winning the U S open in dominant form that he did. So it's um, it's just, it's really uh, it's a fascinating story. One that's changing the game in, in many, many ways. It makes you wonder what the honey hole number is for ball speed. And I think, that's going to be sort of approached in the future of whether it's 195 or 198 or 190. There's a point where if you're off just a little bit, you know, you can hit some spray, some shots. And I think Bryson is right on sort of the, the pinnacle of finding that honey hole spot to where mm -hmm. if it's 188, 192, whatever it is. I mean, if you're flying at 340, 
then I mean, you really don't need any more than that. And, um, and so I would encourage people changing, <laughs> yeah. especially my tour pros. Um, you mentioned GMAC earlier, Graham McDowell. Um, GMAC is not going to swing 190. <laughs> you know, it's just no. not, it's not in the cards. But if we can maximize sort of his efficiency to say, this is your peak. In training, we take the governor off. Okay. In training, we go all out. And that's what you see Bryson doing, hitting 212, 215 in training. So that when he pulls back and hits fairways, he's increased his average up to say, you know, 195, he's comfortable at, even though he can go 212. So that's what I like to do with players in practice is to take the governor off so that when you go play, you fall back to your baseline and ultimately get the baseline a little higher than it was. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's no, it does. The governor, the governor is a real, real thing. You know, that internal governor and saying, nope, we're not going to yeah. swing this fast, right? But this is where we're in control. And then you just push through that and push through that. And pretty soon, you know, like you're running downhill as fast as you ever have. Totally. And um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, that the, the word governor comes out a lot with students and trying to get them to push through and swing it faster in the way that they're recruiting. And I see the, speaking of governor, the, the, the probably, I was asked this question a few years back. The biggest fault I see with amateurs wanting to go faster, the backswings are usually too slow. That's something that I see. Okay. It's real slow, and then they speed up and transition. Whereas what I try to people to get people to do is have a faster backswing, a more explosive. Two, and Nicholas said the first two feet of the backswing, he knew if it was going to be a good shot or not. It's in his book. So, I mean, get the, get the club head moving. Use your core. Generate some speed right off the start. Don't be all safe and calculated. You know, that's something that people can improve quickly when we speed up the backswing. I, uh, my good buddy, John Novosel, Tour Tempo, we do a lot of tones. We play tones to get people to speed up when we do mm. our clinics to uh, hear the sound of bum, 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 to have like sort of this, this um, mm. audible sensation of what it feels like to get up fast and when they when they realize just how fast rory is to get to the top yeah. bryson they're like wow i mean it looks smooth in person but it's really pretty dynamic and really explosive to get to the top in that amount of time um and people can do it they just have been taught over the years you've got to be slow and steady so that you can what, hit it straight and we're like yeah. if you can free up and be more athletic swing faster to the top in general you tend to hit it farther and straighter and i'm you were saying that too about the back yeah. when you see your students really load yeah. they, you know they might go past parallel but you don't see them any sort of more sporadic than you did before when they're trying to be safe yeah that's what i'm saying like the risk is it's it's all worth it you know yeah. for the amateurs so it's it's <laughs> and it's like i but i don't feel like i can play golf like that but yeah yeah you, yeah you can you know like you can the risk is yeah. worth it trust me you know in going through this Let's let's finish up with GMAC. Forty-one years of age. <clears throat> I know you you spent some time with him through the winter, um, early spring. Here's a guy that you know. I mean, historically, hits it two eighty-three off the tee. You know, somewhere in there. Um, and he's looking at this, going, "My God, you know, kids are hitting it three twenty. You know, like that's a that's a big mountain for someone like a McDowell who's had the career that he has, U.S. Open winner." And in this, in this modern era, right, of length, and he's like, man, and like so many, I got to get 
I got to get, I got to get after it. Like I, I got to figure out how to get 10, 15, maybe 20. I know you guys have spent some time. Talk about maybe if you can, the cliff notes of, of that plan over the last few months. Yeah. So over the winter, uh, GMAC was topping out. I mean, he was swinging 164 ish ball speed, 165. Um, just like what we alluded to earlier, um, Travis, we got a deeper hip turn. I mean, GMAC in 2010 had a huge right hip internal rotation, huge hip turn. He sucked the club inside. He had a pretty big shoulder turn, but not a lot of length to the backswing. So I encouraged him to let it go a little bit longer at the top, get back to the pivot that got him to the top of the backswing in 2010. And then we eliminated a little bit of uh, lateral movement and allowed him to rotate quicker. And dude, he topped mm-hmm. out 175. He got we we topped out at Lake Nona. He hit 175 a couple times, 174. Yeah. So he was up about 10 miles per hour. And that, you know, is he gonna go 190? No. But if he can again take the governor off, get to 175, 176 in training, then he can, you know, hopefully cruise at lower 170s. And that was our goal. And he's getting there, I think. Um, but you know, as you know, this it's hard to it's hard mm-hmm. to take that to the golf course when you have a card in your pocket. <laughs> but um, you know, again, once 170s, if you can go mid-170s, we see Victor Hovland, who I've worked with, you know, he Victor, young, great young player, what top 15 in the world now. And he's like what 175, 178. Mm-hmm. He can mm-hmm. get to 180, which I've seen him do. Um, but he again cruises mid 170. So you don't have to be 190 right now. I'm mean, yeah. this equipment, the ball will go. If you can get in the 170s, I'm telling this to young tour players, um, you know, uh, you know, even some of the corn fairy guys that they that they come to me, they ask me to watch their swing. If you're in the 170s and you have good club face stability, that's fast enough. You know, it, yeah. you don't have to be Bryson speed to compete at the highest level in this game. And so GMAT, that I encouraged him to say, you know, if you can get in the 170s with these new speed elements that we've implemented, GMAC, with your iron plate, your club face stability, and your putting, you know, get it done. And so hopefully, um, hopefully we had an impact on, on, uh, <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, I kind of feel for those guys, you know, I mean, in many ways, they're obviously they're great players, you know, Graham McDell and Brian Gay and, you know, even Lee Westwood and like these guys, you know, who in their forties now, right. And they're seeing this new era of, I mean, in some, in many ways, I mean, it's, it's a distance era. I mean, this it's exploded here, you know, and, and Bryson's impact and, you know, they're like, damn, you know, I gotta, well, I probably got, I gotta do something. Yes. Yeah, Stuart Stuart Sink. Sink. Uh, what was he? 175 ball speed. I saw uh, last yeah. It's like, yeah, he was cruising back in the day. And he was, I looked up his average. He was averaging like 265 off the tee, and now he's over 300. And I think yeah, that's he was cruising. some techni- techni- technology, really. You know, the ball, the, the club, and um, the collision from the ball and club. But basically, you know, if you can add a few speed elements with this equipment and you've got a pretty good swing, you can go mid-170s pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I know, you know, uh, we could talk forever about the full swing and distance, but I know um, you know a thing or two about short game and putting as well. And you just did a uh, a series with Brad Faxon. Tell the audience about it. Yeah, so I you know I took on learning the the key elements of pitching, chipping, putting, bunker play, and I, I put a little series out on on the website lucaswalkgolf.com. And Faxon joined me, dear friend of mine. 
talk nice. candidly about probably 30 minutes, 28 minutes, I think exactly, but gave drills out and talked about um, what he felt in his pre-shot routine, warming up, a couple of key drills, fundamentals that he used throughout his career. So I highly recommend that um, to go to that, get that series because Brad, it's a lot of wisdom that he shares, Travis, in that little putting segment. And, and also, you know, some of the pitching and chipping motions that I talk about in the series, I've learned from Faxon. I've learned from watching Brett Rumford on uh, Instagram. I've learned from watching Sevy. You know, I broke this mm-hmm. stuff down, distilled the key fundamental elements on chipping, pitching, and putting. And um, it, I, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the series. And we do, a, I have a full swing version on there too, a how-to full swing and a how-to short game. So both of those are, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I think it's valuable for for your viewers to go pick up. And uh, Yeah, it's lucaswald.com, right? lucaswaldgolf.com lucaswaldgolf.com and your instagram as well is is for the viewers instagram at wald lucas okay yeah Yeah, excellent well we're gonna do this again i uh, i appreciate your time i know you're you're busy and um but this is uh it's good discussion love where things are going love what you're doing i follow you and um we'll uh we'll chat again soon good get tell grand we're pulling for i'm a big big mcdowell fan lake known as one of my favorite golf courses in the country every time i go down there i see him grinding he, he's great it's the best by the way what's your ball speed up to my ball speed you know i i can crack i can get into 170 low 170s nice. we'll yeah sit. when i but i gotta i gotta really i gotta get myself going though you know yeah, yeah. i gotta get amped up and excited you know lucas i I'll, I'll finish with this i i've said many times if i had to go back and do it all over again with my own swing I think what I would, uh, there's probably a few things I would do. One is I would definitely get a change in deflex. I mean, I'm, I am the poster child of turn the upper and resist with the right knee. I mean, like that's the way I, I did it, you know, and yeah. was taught as many of us were. So I really, if you watch my swing now, you see much more of it, but I got to really get after it. You know, like I got to really get myself going to get my legs going. Yeah. And the second thing is, is I would have been way more, you know, uh, more, way more momentum early in, in moving and, and trying to get that momentum going early to the top of the swing. Yeah. Cause I was, you know, way too still and deliberate. Mm. So like, those are the things that I would have changed going back and all that I think would have got me going back deeper and faster and the more loaded and more explosive coming down. And those are the things that I work on right now, Lucas, like that's exactly what I work on. And when I do that and I feel good, I feel loaded. I feel like, okay, I'm just, I almost, I don't feel out of control anymore, but I feel less control and, but it's a good, it's a good feeling. And I, I'm just letting it release and I'm not trying to steer it down there. And, and my ball speed just goes way up. I mean, that's when I start feeling like I get into that low high one sixties, low seven, one seventies, pretty consistent. Yeah. You see that, that little motion you talked about that trigger or that movement before you go back. I mean, it's athletic. It's like a shooting a free throw. You don't see Curry just sit there and be still. He's moving. Peter right. in motion or Jordan or Roger Federer serving a tennis ball. He's moving. There, 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 there's athlete, and that's what Brad talks about. Even in putting, like Brad, mm-hmm. his fingers are moving on the grip. His feet, they're not moving up and down, but there's there's toe wiggle, right? Yeah, he's not sort of trying to be stiff and robotic. And so the same thing in putting, chipping, full swing, be an athlete. You know, don't censor movement, and um, you you experience it yourself. When you do that, you go way up in speeds. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even oh. a short game too. Just having that, 
just a little shuffle and just and, and kind of going rather than starting so stagnant and then trying to produce the motion. I, I think that momentum and flow, flow. kind of goes through my entire game, and I'm more dis, and I'm much more instinctive, and decisive, and just kind of letting my technique go and letting it, and, you know, and reacting to that rather than trying to steer it back you know, and, and guide it through or whatever, where you feel like now you're, now I'm not even turning at all in the full swing. You know, it's, right. like, it's just too rigid. Love so, it. I love it. All right, buddy. Awesome. Travis. Thank you, Lucas. Great talk. We'll do it again, Thanks. man. Thanks for having me. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team, in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest-performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels visit encoregolf.com slash travis fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game now back to the stripe show podcast